Good morning to all my brothers and sisters in Christ in the Trinity Methodist Church, Benin. Greetings to all of you from Canning Garden Methodist Church, Ipoh. I want to thank your pastor, Reverend Shen Xia, for this opportunity to speak to you on your small group Sunday. I pray that you will grow in your ministry of the small, in the small group. So let us pray as, be, as I begin. Father God, be with all of us as we hear your word on discipleship and on small group. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Small group ministry is about discipleship and accountability is necessary for discipleship to happen. However, when the word accountability is used, we all have our defenses up. Am I accountable to my fellow members? Have they the right to ask me to be accountable to them? The simple and short answer is yes, they have. This is implicit in our baptismal and membership vows. So the message I want to share with you today is that by our covenant with God, we are covenanted with each other. We are therefore covenanted to each other for our discipleship. Your discipleship is to be lived out specifically through your local church where you are a member or ought to be if you're not already one. Let's look at the covenant God has made with us, his people or his church. The first point is that God makes covenant with us to be his holy people. Let me trace the story of how God made covenant with his people in the Bible. So first, God made a covenant with Israel, but they failed to keep it. God wanted to raise a holy people for himself. In fulfillment to the Abrahamic covenant, he delivered the Israelites from Egypt and brought them to Mount Sinai to make a covenant with them so that he would be their God and they his people. As part of the Sinai Covenant, he gave them the law. The law described what that community of his holy people would look like if they kept the law. As part of the covenant, he also gave them the plan to build the tabernacle. After the tabernacle was built, God came down in glory to dwell with his people in the tabernacle. But the Israelites did not keep his covenant due to their rebellious heart after many warnings from the prophets. God's glory finally departed from the temple and he exiled them to Babylon. Although the Israelites failed to keep the covenant God did not give up on his plan to raise a holy people. Now, Israel 
having failed to keep the covenant then, secondly, God promised a, a new covenant to solve the, those two problems they, they faced. When Israel failed to obey God's covenant, the prophets prophesied about the coming new covenant. One of them, Jeremiah, says the time is coming when I will make a covenant, a new covenant. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make. I will put my laws in their minds and write it on their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The new covenant is, first, God's promise to forgive the sins of his people so that he could dwell with them. And second, to put his law within our heart so that we are able to keep them. So the two problems in the old covenant would now be solved in a new covenant. The first is the problem of sin which separates us from God. Jesus overcame it by shedding his blood to cleanse us. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So the removal of sin enabled God to dwell among us. God is with us. We can rejoice and we can worship. The second is the problem of the heart, which is our sinful tendency to stray away from God and follow the destructive ways of the world. God solves it by writing his law in our hearts. I will put my laws in their minds and write it on their hearts. Now, it is no longer his law imposed from outside, but it is his will experienced from inside as our own will because we now have a new heart. Now, the prophet Ezekiel puts it in a different way from Jeremiah, how the sinful heart is overcome. While Jeremiah talks about God giving us a new heart, Ezekiel talks about giving us the Holy Spirit. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So the promise of the Holy Spirit is what will renew our heart that will enable us to keep the law. Then thirdly, Jesus fulfilled the new covenant and solved the two problems. So Jesus, the promised Messiah, came. And on Monday, Thursday night, he established the new covenant with his 12 disciples. Then on Good Friday, he actually shed his blood on the cross for our sins and rose again on Easter morning. Fifty days later, the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples who were gathered in the upper room. Now today, each time when we celebrate the Holy Communion, we are reminded that Jesus shedding 
of his blood is how the new covenant was established. After supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, it solved two major human problems. First, the removal of sins, which allow God to dwell among us. And second, the change of heart through the Holy Spirit, which enabled God's people to keep His laws and become holy and therefore glorify Him. Now, I know that we in the New Covenant still struggle with temptations and we don't always feel like obeying God. But unlike the people in the Old Covenant who did not have the Holy Spirit, we in the New Covenant have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence and power potentially enable us to keep God's laws. He gives us the new birth and a new life, and so a new heart. We grow in a new life as we keep God's laws. We become transformed and holy, and so glorify God. Now, the summary point is this. God wants to make us His holy people, and He has enabled us by the death of His Son and the ministry of His Spirit to do so. Now, if in the first point, God makes covenant with us to be His holy people, then the second point is that God requires us to be faithful to His covenant by keeping His laws. Just as God gave the Israelites the Mosaic law to make them holy, so also He gave us His law to define our holiness. Once we make covenant with God, that covenant governs us with His laws. Let me illustrate this point from the incident of the division at the Holy Communion in the Corinthian Church. Now, this needs a bit of explanation. The Holy Communion in the Corinthian Church was a love feast. That means they celebrated the Holy Communion by eating a full meal, not just a token meal like we do today. The rich brought their food to the love feast with no consideration for the poor who hardly have anything to eat. Paul indicts them in verse 21. As you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Then he rebukes them in verse 22. Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. And then, he brings in the words of the Lord's Supper as the reason why they should not behave in such a way as God's people. So Paul rebukes them when their behavior was out of line with the covenant. This Corinthian passage clearly implies that God's covenant governs His people's behavior. So if you are God's people, certain behaviors are in 
and certain behaviors are out. In other words, there exists a law, a rule, or a code, call it whatever you like, but a requirement exists once there is a covenant. When God made the covenant at Mount Sinai, He gave them the Mosaic law. Now, what law did God give us when we make covenant with Him in the New Testament? Now, many Christians will be surprised by this question. They may express, what? What do you mean? We Christians have laws today to obey? Yes, there are laws to obey because once the covenant is established, there is a requirement and we Christians are called to obey it. In fact, God requires something more from us in the new covenant than the old covenant. He requires from us to keep the law from the heart, from the inside out, not just the external laws. Now, what then are the laws that require us to be holy as God's people? Now, the short answer is the teachings of Christ, becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. Following the teachings and becoming disciple of Jesus Christ is synonymous with becoming God's holy people. So, what are the teachings of Jesus Christ that, are, that we Christians are to follow? First, the moral laws of God as found in the Old Testament. Jesus said that He had not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Today, we don't keep the Old Covenant, but we still obey its moral laws, especially the Ten Commandments, because they are a reflection of God's character and will, and that makes the moral laws abiding. That is why we have a chapter on the Ten Commandments in our membership manual. The chapter spells out what each of the Ten Commandments means and hence the conduct. The church has historically kept the Ten Commandments as God's law to be obeyed. Second, before Jesus instituted the new covenant, He gave us a new command. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus wasn't talking about the warm, fuzzy feeling for one another. He was talking about our care, commitment, loyalty to the point of being willing to lay down our lives for each other. Paul followed up by saying that the carrying each other's burden is loving one another and thus will fulfill the law of Christ. Third, all the teachings of Jesus in the Gospel, especially the Sermon on the Mount. Now again, we have one whole chapter in a membership manual itemizing each point of the sermon. What it means? Well, briefly, we are to be people who keep our word, who harbor no anger or unforgiveness, who keep marriage fidelity, who don't announce our piety, 
and who are people of such godly character that we are salt and light of the world. And finally, all the New Testament imperatives that you read in the New Testament are for Christians. One relevant New Testament teaching I want to highlight is Paul's exhortation for us to live by the Spirit. In order to have victory over the sinful nature in Galatians chapter 5, Paul associates the Spirit with a new covenant which has its reference in Ezekiel's prophecy about the Spirit enabling us to keep God's law. These are all the laws, rules, teachings, or word of God that we are to follow as covenant people of God. So in summary, we have to keep God's requirement as His covenant people. These are teachings of Christ we need to obey as His disciple and as God's holy people. Now my third point is that once we have covenanted with God to keep His laws, we have also covenanted with each other to keep God's law. The new covenant, secured by the blood of Jesus, creates a people of God and governs her. We are bound to God by the new covenant. Since we are bound to God by a new covenant, we are also bound to each other by that covenant. The covenant that makes us belong to God makes us belong to each other. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a moral obligation, not only to God, but also to each other, to keep God's laws. We have a moral obligation to help each other grow in our discipleship. We have a moral obligation to help each other grow in our holiness by keeping God's laws. Now, let us turn to the Great Commission to make an important point about discipleship. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The main verb, which is an imperative, make disciples, is followed by three participles, go, baptizing, and teaching. The three participles tell us how we make disciples. As we go preaching the gospel, we win people to be who believe in Jesus. The next thing we do is baptizing them or incorporating them into the church. The way one is received into the church is by making a covenant with God at their baptism. In our liturgy, we call it baptismal covenant. Now, some churches put their baptismal font at the entrance of the church to indicate that is how we enter or how we become the church. After baptism, what then? For many Christians, baptism means they have arrived. 
They have sat through their membership class and now have become members. They can take a back seat and rest in a church. But not according to our text. After baptism, the church has a lifelong task of teaching the members to obey all that Jesus has taught. Now, baptism ushers you into a new life. And the new life requires a lifelong discipleship of following Jesus' teaching. It is the teaching of Jesus that will define us as disciples, that is, define us as God's holy people. You know, this is what we as a church have covenanted with God and with one another to do to be long-life disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm afraid that not many members have understood this basic point or have accepted this responsibility to be lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. If you are beginning to understand this basic point, the question remains, how? How do I get involved in a lifelong discipleship? And how does the church organize one for all her members? Let me suggest a few points about such discipleship, which can best be fulfilled by committing yourselves to a small group. Now, let me spell out some of the characteristics of such groups that, make, that help us in a lifelong discipleship. Firstly, group needs to be small. The history of church renewal abounds with the use of small groups, whether that be Lutheran, Pietism, the Puritans, the Moravians, or the Methodists. It is the best vehicle for Bible study, for accountability, and for building long-term relationships. Besides prayer and worship, the small group has many other plus points for church organization and communication, nurture and care. Now, secondly, groups have to be word-based. To learn what Jesus has taught the small group has to be gathered around the study of God's word. God's Word is foundational to our spiritual growth, whether you follow a Bible study guide or a sermon discussion. But unfortunately, many Christians have treated Bible study as another Christian activity. And we know that accumulation of knowledge of the Bible alone does not necessarily transform a person's life. According to Jesus in the Great Commission, we have to obey what He has taught us. According to Jeremiah, we have to let the Word be written in our hearts. According to Ezekiel, we have to let the Spirit move us to keep the Lord. And according to Paul, we have to live by the Spirit and have victory over the sinful nature. All our Bible studies will fail out without the challenge and excitement of seeing the transformation of life. Thirdly, 
groups have to be accountable. Our small group usually meet once a week for two hours. How much of our life is shared at the Bible study? Very little. In fact, we may be hiding our life behind the Bible. So, if we are serious about discipleship, then we have to report about our Christian life at home, at work, and elsewhere. The following are areas we need to be accountable for. Personal life and devotion. Family life and our family worship. Involvement in church life. Our school or our work life and how we are a witness for Christ there. And our involvement in greater and other areas of life. The list is not exhaustive for a comprehensive list of being good disciple of Jesus Christ, I would like you to read Duties and Meaning of Membership Found in a Methodist Book of Discipline. I hope someone can circulate that document. It spells out a comprehensive details of what the life of a disciple looks like. Most important, our work of accountability is that we keep a watchful eye for the soul of our brothers and sisters, whether one is going through doubts and temptation and is backsliding. We are to call. We are called to see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, and that no one misses the grace of God. As spiritual leaders, we are accountable to our members and at the same token, members are accountable towards their leaders. Fourth, groups need to have longevity. Finally, small groups need to, have to consider longevity, which is ideal for building trust and relationship for accountability to take place. Small groups after a while, will lose their excitement if they do not build trust and share their actual spiritual life and growth. There is an unspoken knowing that we are meeting, but we are not progressing spiritually. So, if we are focusing on discipleship, if we are hearing the accounts of actual growth and progress, and if we are open to one another, I am sure our small group meetings will be a lot more exciting and happening. Let me conclude by summarizing the main points. By our covenant with God at our baptism, we are covenanted with our fellow members to be disciples of Jesus Christ by obeying all his teachings. We are therefore to help each other to become disciples by being accountable to each other. And the best vehicle we know of for discipleship and practice of accountability is the small groups. I pray and urge you to join a small group if you have not already done so.
it is your obligation to God and to yourself to grow as a disciple and also to help others to grow in their discipleship. Finally, I also would encourage your small groups to move into implementing accountability for your discipleship. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Father, my prayer is for Trinity Methodist Church Benang that you will bless the ministry of the small group and enable all the members to become a part of it, to join in for their discipleship and for their accountability so that our lives as a church may be transformed and that by being transformed, we may glorify your name. So Lord, I pray for the church leaders to make those decisions and to help to uh, progress the work of the small group ministry and help all our members to really participate in it. So bless the church and bless all the members in all their participation and ministry. I ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.